morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For, I can't believe I've never thought about this before, Spike, Eric, Jew, Lai, Cohen, oh I am Matt wow. Wright, and together we are wow. traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Wow. Wow. Hey, folks, my camera doesn't work. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, you don't even know that, nor do you care, because it's Audio. If even if but, you're listening on Clubhouse, you don't know this. Oh, and if you're listening on Clubhouse, then you really don't care. But for the rest of you poor saps, this is what you got to look at. My camera's not working for some reason, so we'll figure that out, hopefully by the next show. But thanks so much for watching. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out everywhere on all over the internet, every all the different things where people have things on the internet. And be sure to also like and follow and subscribe. And then share this right now, because if you don't share it now, then the internet, then the social media... Just share it. Just share it now. We need to share it. Thank you. First and foremost, this is so weird not looking at you because I'm like waiting for like the visual cues. Um, just look at my face. I guess I have to actually listen to you today. Um, just look look at my face. <laughs> First and foremost, allow me to thank the wonderful and fine people at siestacava.com for the kava that I am drinking on today's episode. If you are one of the many who would like to try the Libertarian Kool-Aid, go to siestacava.com today. And allow me to thank water for the for hydrating me. I don't even have any water on me, but you can't even see that, so what does it matter? Bulavanaka. Bulavanaka, everybody. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the wonderful people. At the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing Libertarian Waffle House, whatever the fuck, it's just, it's the Gravy King, Cumberland Cannabis, who actually pays us. Uh, Cumberland Cannabis is, we don't have a write-up about them, but they sell CBD gummies, and they're down, they're located in beautiful Tennessee. Tennessee CBD, everyone. Google that to find out what that means. Google it. Uh, Cumberland Cam. We don't have their website. Hold on. We just got this sponsor, so we don't know their yeah, Cumberlandcannabis.com. So Cumberlandcannabisco.com to go to Cumberland Cannabis Co. That's their name is actually Cumberland Cannabis Co. Joe Siloski is running for Pennsylvania governor. Joe Siloski is the key to Pennsylvania's success. And if you'd like to help him in his run for governor of Pennsylvania as a libertarian, go to joesoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. And then, of course, mud water. Yum, yum. If you would like to have some tea, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and nothing else... Go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash mud to make the switch from coffee to mud water today. Yum. Mmm. And then, then we got this guy. Let's talk about him for a second. Yeah, let's this talk sh- about this. He... <laughs> now, normally Jack writes us scripts, but this week all he said was, I sent the money, but I didn't come up with an ad read. <laughs> so, folks, go if you want to read a book written by someone who sent us the money. 
Go to theroyalgreen.com. He's got some great hair. A guy named Jack Casey. He's a libertarian. He has great hair. Hopefully his books are also great. If you go, if you buy a thousand copies of his book, individually or all together, probably, uh, he will change his next book, which is coming out later this summer, which is currently going to be called Crowned by Gold. He will change that to Crowned by Mud. These books are about butterflies and knives and um, and ri- a ring. If you view it on Amazon, go ahead. Uh, yes. Preferably if you're going to give it a good review. If you're not, like, you know, skip If you're not going to give it a good review, just leave the man the alone. Internet. Like, leave him alone if you're not going to leave a good review. Like, that's, you know, what did he do to you? Oh, they can't hear you in the clubhouse stream. Allow me to fix that. That will probably Oh, good. There we go. That's yes. That was, that was my fault. This okay. So yes, that's okay. I mean, they have not missed much yet. Much yet. So there is that. No, but this episode, nothing, really, nothing of value has happened yet. But except for our sponsors, of course. I didn't mean. <laughs> and also, personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you are in Florida and you find yourself personally injured, like for example, you give money to some schmucks to promote your product and instead they jerk around and uh i mean hopefully we i i think we do bring them customers at the very least i think i'm certain i'm certain i am certain you should probably like ask them we should ask them like hey i I know that he has gotten a uh legal assistant out of us well that's well good so we kind of cost him more money (laughs) Oh, <laughs> so uh, if you've been uh, personally injured in Florida, which apparently Chris has, uh, and you would like to sue someone for that, go to chrisreynoldslaw.com to have the finest personal injury attorney in Florida to sponsor us to represent you in court. Thank you so much, that, Chris. Yes. Yes. So um, we're getting a little bit of a late start, as everybody can tell. A bit. Uh, a bit. We're a bit late by an hour-ish. Um, still, still no, no Spike, spike audio in Clubhouse. Well, yes. Okay. We're going to try something different then. You know what we could do? What could we do? I could just go on Clubhouse on my phone and just do my part from the oh, that's phone. A good, right. Yeah, I could just give you speaking, um, speaking ability. Yeah, let me do let me do that if it's still not working. Um, so yeah, apparently we figured that we would give this a shot on Clubhouse because we wanted to, um, and it's not working the way that we wanted it to. But as we can see, we are running through tons of technical <laughs> difficulties, um, tons of technical difficulties today. Uh, Spike's camera's not working. Uh, Skype is Skype. Um, oh, Spike, joined me as a listener. I have raised my hand. I see that. I'm going to invite you as speaker. Um, I'm joining as a speaker. Hold I'll on. even give you moderate. Mo- I'll even give you uh, moder- hey. moderator. Hey, can you, you hear me now? Moderator as well. Yes. I have no idea if this is going to work. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Spike Cohen, 
I'm on Clubhouse. This show is going to be just beautiful to listen to as a podcast episode. So, folks, hey, now that we're doing all the different things at the same time, this is episode... Oh, no, we already did that. We already so, did that. We already did so, all that. So outside of the technical difficulties, how was uh, California this weekend? California was amazing. In fact, this photo is actually from California, and it sums up how I treated the entire weekend. No, it was really cool. I had a, a lunch in my honor. There are people that pay to have lunch with me now. It's really actually kind of unsettling. But I, I went to uh, – I, I got to, I got introduced by Larry Sharp. I mean, you know, like that's a big deal. Uh, I got, I, I got to, uh, meet a whole bunch of libertarians from California. I got to, uh, uh, what else I get to do? I also, while I was there, I, I had a video address to the Pennsylvania convention and I zoomed into the, and, and spoke at the Oregon and Arkansas libertarian party conventions. Um, and, uh, I did a bunch of interviews and stuff too, but, um, no, it was fun. It was really good, really successful. They sold out, totally sold out a convention. Um, even the galas and all the, like the, 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 the upgrade stuff was all sold out too. So, I mean, it was just a, honestly, just a ton of people. Um, it was just a ton of people, Matt. Um, so no, it was a good time. We had a really good time and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, I went to the beach. I went to oh, the beach man. and, uh, I got, I got slightly pinker. Oh, good. I got slightly pinker on the back. Um, Apparently, applying SPF 63 times throughout the day was not enough for my fair Irish skin. Mm, Sorry. Maybe next time you should try not being Irish descent. Um, (laughs) Speaking of trying to be less... If you could could just try. I'll try, I guess. I just want to see that you tried, Matt. Speaking of not... Of trying. This next segment is the Black Cold Brewed Caffeinated Rapid Fire segment, brought to you by Black Cold Brewed Organic Coffee, the most delicious cold brewed organic coffee to ever be horrifically misspelled on the internet. If you go to Black Bruce, that's B L V C K, because what the hell? B L V C K com, you can get some of that delicious, delicious cold coffee. Mmm. Mm, cold coffee mm. that cold coffee is actually good mm, coffee but cold matt uh so it is a uh, supreme court season and if anybody has been watching us since last year uh you know that we will kind of delve into a lot of the supreme court stuff as they're announcing more um and that actually starts today uh nice so on monday The Supreme Court ruled 6-3 that inmates whose convictions became final before last year's decision in Ramos versus Louisiana cannot take advantage of it on a federal collateral review. Now, for anybody who does not know what that is, uh, anybody that is sentenced to life in prison or death has to be sentenced by a unanimous jury. This was decided last year. Now, anybody that was convicted before this decision they do not get to take advantage of this so people who are sitting on right and god well hey (sighs) yes i agree 
but they made a huge mistake in what they did here. I think. Right. I personally okay. believe they made yes. a huge mistake in how they get get there. Um, now, this mainly hurts inmates in Louisiana and Oregon, uh, which were the only two states that allowed non-unanimous juries in those two states. Right, right. Um, now, Kavanaugh, Brett gang rapist Kavanaugh, uh, stated that the ruling in Ramos announced a new rule as opposed to a defining of an older rule. So he would, they were changing the rules. And because of that, many courts interpreted uh, Apodaca to allow for non-unanimous jury verdicts in state criminal trials, which is true. So that was how Louisiana and Oregon were able to get non-unanimous jury trials. Um, but with Ramos, the decision that they were making is new. So therefore, it establishes a new rule of criminal procedure generally uh, because it's a new rule of criminal procedure, it generally does not apply retroactively to cases in which inmates are seeking federal post-conviction relief. So right. because it's a technically a new rule, it does not count as something that you can try to uh, jump, on, jump on later. Now, Edwards versus Vinoy is the case that decided this. Right. They did not pick the greatest case to try to convince the Supreme Court that this needed to be looked at. Uh, Fedrick Edwards was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in Louisiana nearly 15 years ago for a series of crimes that included armed robbery, rape, and kidnapping. And 11 to 1 was the jury finding. Now, if you are going for trying to say, okay, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, you might not want to go with somebody who is up for armed robbery, rape, and kidnapping. I feel right. as though that was not the right case to bring to try to win this argument. Yeah. But even still, these aren't like supposed to be emotional people. This is the Supreme Court. Like They're supposed to be able to hash this out. Agreed. They are supposed to hash this out, but at the same time, every <laughs> Spike just updated the notes, and I can't wait to find out what this is. Um, yes, they are the Supreme Court. They are supposed to be impartial, but when you're going to be looking at it from when you're going to be looking at it from a, a legal standpoint, should somebody who did armed robbery, rape, and kidnapping. Yes. Should they, you know, should they be out on the streets? Probably not. Like, and you are now giving them license to say yes. To overturn I'm, that conviction. Right. I get it. I get it. I mean, so Alex people Ford, that are on like, death row right now, because uh, this is, um, I mean, this is including, there, there are uh, states that actually allow uh, death row cases without uh, unanimous decisions, right? Louisiana and Oregon were the only two. And what, so what's the cutoff there? Is it just a simple majority or it has to be like a three-fifths majority or something? Um, I think it depended on death and it depended on the state. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. So... It was different. I know that Florida was attempting to change that rule 
two years ago, and I don't think they ended up doing it. Well, they didn't end up doing it because Louisiana and Oregon are the only two. Right, right, right. So, so uh, well, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. It's like moving for like, and I understand the argument. This is a new rule for all things going forward because the law was read differently under those trials. It's different. I get it. Kind of. I don't agree with it, but I understand the logic. I'm certain a lot of people wish that it was retroactive so they could at least get retried and possibly at the very least get retried. Yeah. At at the very least get retried. I mean, imagine you're in prison and, you know, you're now told that if you were on trial now, you wouldn't get in trouble. I mean, we wouldn't apply that to a a lawmaking or we shouldn't apply that to, you know, a lawmaking something legal. Uh, It's like, okay, well, now it's legal. So can I get out of jail now? But we see that. I mean, we see companies that are, you know, making millions of dollars selling marijuana. And yet there are people still being locked up for it and people that are uh, wasting away in jail over it. So. Well, speaking of stupid things, Al Watkins, the attorney of the Q shaman Jacob Chansley. This is the guy that has been, uh, he's actually been well-known in Arizona, but he was the guy that was dressed in the, the weird helmet in uh, with the horns the, in uh, the, during the, yeah, the Capitol the, riots. Like the, yeah. the bison hat and like not wearing a shirt with the tattoos well, that was showing well, up at all events. Al Watkins, yeah, exactly. Al Watkins is his attorney, and apparently he's even crazier. Um, he has, uh, and he's gotten in trouble with the judge and all in there in uh, Chancellor's trial and uh, all sorts of stuff. He's uh, he said some stuff uh, in an interview. Um, uh, I believe yesterday or earlier today. And I'm just going to read this segment, this clip from that interview. And again, before, or actually not again, I'm saying it for the first time before I said, these are not my words and please do not judge them as being my words. Cause I wouldn't say some of these things. So we're just going to read it. I'm going to read it to you and, and you can, you can look at it while I'm reading it. So Watkins, the Q shaman Jacob Chansley's attorney, said his client had Asperger's syndrome and indicated that Chansley's mental state and the impact of Trump's quote unquote propaganda efforts would play a role in his case. This is a quote from Watkins. A lot of these defendants, and I'm going to use this colloquial term, perhaps disrespectfully, but they're all fucking short bus people. These are people with brain damage. They're fucking retarded. They're on the goddamn spectrum. But there are brothers, our sisters, our neighbors, our co-workers. They're part of our country. These aren't bad people. They don't have prior criminal history. Fuck. They were subjected to four plus years of goddamn propaganda, the likes of which the world has not seen since fucking Hitler. This is a attorney. This is a criminal defense attorney representing someone in federal court. You know... If you're looking for an attorney and you want an attorney who's not going to say <laughs> that you're a fucking short Is this person, a segue to marketing? Or that oh. you have Asperger's and brain damage. Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, yes, will would not I do that. Probably not publicly. say that. Publicly. Probably. 
I, I probably I de- say it privately, but he will not say he it would not publicly say that to anyone that would have a say in your yep, this is a Brent Ritter says longest Chris Reynolds commercial ever. Yes. Um <laughs> No, that is um now I don't believe Chris Reynolds is licensed to represent you in a federal criminal court. Um, but for the right price, you probably could get the sit the bar or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see Chris Reynolds. Actually, I would love to see any other attorney say that to the press or to a judge. Or it's really just to anyone. To. Really Your Honor. Your My daughter. client is all that stuff. It's like Alex Jones. <laughs> yes. This would vary with that was big Alex Jones energy there. Right. So speaking daughter, of good he's a little fucking retarded. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's that's this man's words, not Matt's. Um right. speaking of I could actually hear Matt Hicks saying all of that as yes. an attorney. Yeah. <laughs> as an attorney. Yes. In court, I can hear him saying that, and he is becoming he is in law school, so that could happen soon. Uh, So, and he probably would represent you in federal court for criminal stuff. Um, Now, speaking of good SCOTUS decisions, there there was one was uh, they did vote nine to zero in the Coniglia versus Strom case that the government can't just bust into your house and take stuff from you without a warrant under the so-called community caretaking provision. Um, For those who don't know, the community caretaking provision, uh, you know, the police aren't able to unreasonably search or seize your, your, your property, but they did allow a carve out for, for example, if you were in an accident and your car is, uh, is, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the way of traffic and they have to get into it to move it out of the way, or they have to break into it to get you out of the car you know, jaws of life or something like that. Uh, and so they had to put that provision in because if they're actually, you know, having to save someone's life or protect public safety, then there are times that they will have to actually violate someone's property without a warrant, which is, you know, that in those cases, that's reasonable. Well, they were using it to say it is caretaking to the community to stop someone who might potentially be a risk to others. So we're just gonna, as Donald Trump would put it, due process first, take or take the guns first, due process later. Um, and thankfully, the uh, the impression that's ever been on this show. Yes. Thank you. That was terrible. Well, thank you. And the (laughs) Supreme court, including that president's three appointees, but unanimously decided that, no, you have to have a warrant guys. You can't break into someone's house and take stuff from them, uh, without a warrant. Now, some people got excited saying, oh, good. That's the end of no knock raids. Nope, nope, no, no knock raids still have a warrant. Other people said, yeah, red flag laws, too. They have a warrant, too. Now, the warrant is stupid, and there's no due process with it, which is why it should be ruled unconstitutional, because you don't even get to have a chance. There's no actual process there. They literally just present that someone said that there was a potential danger and get the warrant. Um, It's 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 basically automatic. Um, so, you know, that, that we need to get rid of red flag laws, uh, but this doesn't do that. This just makes it where they can't bust into your house without even that. Um, do you know the, do you know the case behind it? Uh, Coniglia. Yeah. So he was arguing with his wife 
and uh handed her an empty gun and said just shoot me in the head and put me out of my misery now anyone who's married gets it okay like i'm not saying let me let me let me take a step a moment to (laughs) this is not like brent is lying listen this lies he didn't he gave her a an empty gun and said just kill me now is that dramatic and and unnecessary yes yeah should you do that no is (laughs) is this a you know is this something that is criminal no it's not it's not criminal it's unloaded and he's being dramatic it's dramatic flair so then if i recall like the next day or something like that after they calmed down she mentioned it to someone and then they called the police no so she uh she left that night and he went to as the article that i was reading on it earlier said overnight at a hotel oh and she uh he left and then she I think she mentioned it to the, like, she called the police and said oh, okay. that she was worried about him because he left. And so they went and they ended up finding him at the house the next day and they talked to him and they said, hey, let us bring you in for psychological eval. And he said, you know, he, he went willingly, uh, but the rule was they could not go into his house. Uh, and they told the wife that they weren't going to take anything from the house. But as soon as they left, the cops went in and took all the guns. Okay. So even though, so, uh, oh, so they lied too. Right. Yeah. No. Oh, duh. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I just said so very, yeah. Duh. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they, uh, so they lied. Okay. But thankfully the Supreme court said, Nope, can't do that. Gotta have a warrant. And uh, so for the States that don't have red flag laws, uh, they have to actually have a reason to come into your house because um, red flag laws are not a good reason at all. I mean, there's no there is no vetting of the source of who's saying it. it's basically swatting using the police. Um, That's what swatting is. Yeah, I mean, well, oh. <laughs> with swatting, you are using the police. It's like swatting, but with the police. Um <laughs> You know, it's, it's the adult version of swatting. It's the adult version of swatting. Right. It's, it's swatting without video games. So, so, and no, if someone asked, no, I'm, I am sober. I just, it's been a long day of fighting with my computer. And here we are. Um, so speaking with someone who often is mistaken for a, a very drunk man, Joe Biden. <laughs> I really thought be, you were going to go to this after the last story. Giving out the Biden bucks. Yes, he's going to be giving out the Biden bucks. They're going to be getting dispersed starting July 15th, but not to everybody. Um, they are going to be kickstarting advance payments of the child tax credit um, that the American Rescue Plan uh, introduced. Uh, widening the tax credit reach and beefing up the amount to $3,600 per child uh, five and under and 3000 per child between six and 17. Um, 
Now, it also provides households the option to receive a monthly payment of $250 or $300 instead of a one-time uh, sum at tax time, which means that once your child hits six years old, he needs to do $50 worth of work <laughs> because he has now lost you $50 by getting older. Yeah. Um, so make them pay for it. Right. I mean, make them do more work. Make them work more. <laughs> make them work. $50 worth of chores because they've now cost you that. Um, uh, so families with uh, children can tap into the cash, even if they have little to no income tax obligations, which is a change from the structure uh, tying the credit to earnings. So before you needed to have some sort of money to get the tax credit. Right. But now you no longer need that. The tax credit is just going to be given to you if you have kids. So, so then it's the, not a tax credit. It's just no, a it's, money. It's, it's, it's just, just a money. Check. It's just money for creating children. Right. Uh, and, and if SBA, you don't have kids, great news. Your property taxes are paying for other people's children. Right. An estimated 39 million households are going to be receiving the cash without needing to sign up for it, which means that people uh, will just start getting checks deposited into their bank account because they, they have had children. children. Congratulations and I, on and I think matching this, sperm to ovum. And I think what this does is it makes it where people who would pay that money in taxes, they don't like... The people who get that refunded to them every April or whatever, uh, they won't get that money back anymore if they take it monthly, uh, where the people who wouldn't get like that money doesn't matter because they don't pay taxes. Uh, they would not see anything different except for more money. Right. So, um, but... Uh, Speaking of Sorry, I was someone having a child and it being a massive burden on the rest of us, Liz Cheney was ousted from leadership. That's a Dick Cheney joke. Ousted from leadership in the GOP this week. And, well, thank God. The less Cheney's in power, the better in my book. Yep. Because, um, honestly, like Liz Cheney, uh, I'm not a – not a fan of either of the Cheneys, but uh, she is a terrible, war-hungry, power-driven, horrible person. So I don't yeah. know that she has lost the power. Um, everybody knows it's because she continues th to say that Trump is lying about the election and um, the election was being stolen from him. But Kevin McCarthy, uh, the House major Minority Leader who is vying for Speaker in 2022 so hard, uh, right. he had a different explanation. He said that removing Cheney from the number three leadership post was necessary to resolve internal conflicts that have distracted and divided Republicans as they focus on winning back the majority in 2022. Now, sure, I can see this. You want to show the united front. You want to say, look, we are one party working together. I get that. But be honest about why you're kicking her out. Yeah, like, let's be clear. Because she went against the, the, the orange god. Yeah. 
This is this, by the way, this is, you know, we talk a lot about orange man bad. This is orange man good. This is the opposite end of Trump derangement syndrome where any, you know, stating very clearly and succinctly. And let's be clear. She's right. Trump's lying. He lost the election. Nothing was stolen from him. And it's she doesn't need to be praised for saying that, but she's the only Republican in the House saying it. And that's why they removed her from leadership. Or she's one of few that are saying it. And that's why she was removed from leadership. It has nothing to do with distracting or dividing. Where There's no distraction. They just don't like her. They don't like that she's saying it. And they're also sending a shot across the bow to the other, you know, un, less than friendly to MAGA Republicans that, you know, this is still the MAGA cult, even if Trump's not here. Exactly. And I think they're putting a lot of weight on the fact that they think that uh, Trump is going to get them the majority uh, in 2022. They think that a lot of Trump publicans are going to be showing up to the uh, showing up like she's going to get primaried so hard by somebody Trump handpicks. And she has a good chance of loot. Like, I don't know how Wyoming is, but uh, she has a decent chance of losing it if the Republican Party puts all of their weight behind that person. Um, but, uh, representative Ben Klein, uh, told the Hill, we have a diverse conference with diverse views. Uh, we celebrate that and we are looking to our leadership for our messaging and we don't want to distract from that message. Um, nothing says diverse, like you aren't allowed to have a difference of opinion on something that already happened. Yep. Uh, and Cheney had this to say about her departure. I know that there are many members who have expressed concern about their own security. And I think that's an important point to think about as well, that we now live in a country where members' votes are affected because they're worried about their security. They're worried about threats on their lives. And then added, the majority of the Republican Party is not where I am. So she's admitting that she's not where the majority of her party is. She right. knows she's an outsider. Yeah. Now, that's the reasons why the GOP hates her. Here's why everyone else should hate her. She is a pro-war, neocon, pro-torture, pro-war on drugs, even harder than it is now. Um, she is in. She has been against any kind of reforms that would stop uh, um, overcriminalization or police brutality. This is a person who has never seen a government. Uh, uh, abuse against people that she didn't love and want to see even more of. She's in favor of the wall. She's in favor of the strictest uh, immigration uh, 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 restrictions. She she is a she is as bad as it gets. Um, I don't I, I don't see how she didn't make it alongside Alan Dershowitz on the SCOTUS shortlist. To be honest, um, she's just a really <laughs> terrible person. And the thing is, if you think about it, Matt, she's she's bad and, bad. and she's libertarian like shouldn't. She's like a Republican who uh, probably was rooting for Joe Biden so they could get, you know, some decorum back in the office. You know, the man yes. who says the completely non-racist things like you can't walk into a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts without speaking speaking with an indian accent or, with a slight indian accent yeah and you can't right. uh you know, jo uh, know. barack obama was the like first 
mainstream African-American who was clean and you could right. understand when they spoke. Right. And he didn't want his kids to grow up in a, in a racial, racial jungle, jungle. Yeah. Yeah. racial jungle, or, yeah. you know, authored the 1994 crime bill, but you yeah. know, he speaks with decorum. So that makes him a much, much, much more apt president than the last guy. Yeah, no, um, Liz Cheney is 100%. She is the, you know, the, manifestation of a dc swamp demon and the things she doesn't like about donald trump are probably the few things that actually weren't terrible about him oh and also that he's mean and tweets and 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 lies right. openly instead of you know covertly like she's used to you know you know you know when a dictator dies and their kid takes over and this can be in movies too like not just in real life you know, a bad person dies and then the kid takes over and you hope the kid's going to be better. And it turns out the kid is even less redeemable than the other person because they were raised in that. And that's all they know. And they're just terrible. It's like it's like Kim Jong, uh, um, Kim Jong-un, you know, is even worse than Kim Jong-il. That's Liz Cheney. Like Dick Cheney, it's like, oh, thank God he's out of Congress. And then here comes his kid and she's worse. Right. And Dick Cheney that's still Liz trying Cheney. to convince her to run for president in 2024. And that's terrifying to me. Yep. And the fact that you've got, you know, mainstream corporate, you know, left-leaning media praising this woman tells you everything you need to know about mainstream corporate left-leaning media. That, that you know, here, here, here are the re and, 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 and Fox will do this on the other side sometimes too. You know, the, the conservative media will do this on the other side too. Where, you know, a, a Democrat will say a thing that they agree with or, or a thing that and it's always like some horrific Democrat that is terrible and everything else. But they said something about their fellow Democrats. So, you know, we got to go praise them for a month. Um, so anyway, the further right. this person is from leadership of anything, the of better. Anything. Yes. Of anything. And, and now, in all honesty, like you can say that about 99% of politicians. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm not positive she's going to be replaced with anyone I don't also hate. She uh who she was replaced by um Oh god, who she was what is that I cannot remember who she was replaced by. But this one whoever she was replaced by was like an anti-Trumplican. Um she was against Trump and then one day all of a sudden she just flipped 100. Oh, at least Stefanik. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Elise Stefanik has a 34% cons fiscal conservative rating with the Club for Growth. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, that's not very high. Let me put that in perspective. Ilhan Omar has a 38% rating with them. <laughs> so, like, one of the most, yeah, one of the most liberal the you know, like one of the most liberal members of the democratic caucus in the house you know a, a self-proclaimed member of the squad my somali shade really? is is more conservative and yeah i'm going to mention that a lot you know you want to talk about my ilhan she is more conservative than the third most Highly ranked person in the House. In the, yeah, in, in the House Republican caucus. And 
she's also more libertarian on a lot of social stuff. So, I mean, you might want right. to take a second look at her. I don't know. Um, but yes, uh, anytime, anytime, any, pretty much anybody gets kicked out of power. I'm like, I find it entertaining. Um, yes. So good riddance to Liz Cheney being in power. I'm certain she's going to run in 2024, even though she's saying that, you know, she's just focused on her election in 2022, um, mm. which she's going to have a hell of a time winning. But yeah, you know, I, she's she has nothing in the in the GOP. <laughs> yeah, I'm inter- like I'm interested to see how all of that turns out. But you know, uh, she's going to definitely run in 2024. She's definitely going to run in 2024 for president, and Dick Cheney's going to try to get all of his neocon buddies to back her. Gosh, just you know the how many funny, left. the funning that the media is going to do over that. Oh, it's going to. She is going to be oh. like the. She, she's going to be like the second coming of. Jeb I, Bush. I can't even, oh yeah, of Jeb Bush. That's a good one. Yeah, of Jeb Bush. She's going to be the second. Because they tried inflating that nonsense too. Him and uh, what's what's his name in um in Ohio um John Kasich, man they they just desperately desperately tried to breathe life into those campaigns um. Funny thing. Uh, so speaking of, well, here's something that's the opposite of a nightmare. And that's the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment, where you can go to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters to leave messages. You go and just press the message button and you can leave us messages and we answer them right here at this time. Well, whenever time we do it uh, on Tuesday nights, usually around eight, but not always. Um, and, uh, and we, we answer your questions and your messages right here. Of course, you can also, you can also make a donation you go to anchor.fm slash, uh, money waters. And, uh, there's a donate button there and you can become one of our regular donors. That's right. So here is a, our first question from Matt laser legend Hicks. Who everybody on uh, Clubhouse here is not going to be able to hear this now. Oh, Spike and Guy on left. This is Matt Hicks calling from the beautiful town of Bishopville, South Carolina, on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney of law, anchor calling moment. TF. I don't really have anything to report about the news of the day. Did that just go out or did I lose you? No, that went out. What just happened okay. there? Hold on. Let me play that again. And guy on left, this is Matt Hicks calling from the beautiful town of Bishopville, South Carolina, on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney of law, anchor calling moment. TF. I don't really have anything to report about the news of the day or anything like that. Uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that an education in law is a fascinating thing. Today, I learned that sometimes beavers build dams in drainage culverts. Who'd have thunk it, right? Anyway, that's, yeah, that's pretty much my life now. Hashtag Laser Legend. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, fantastic information for everybody else. Thank you. By the way, I got to see Matt, and they got him dressing beautifully. He's dressed in a suit and a tie with a matching pocket square. It's pretty incredible. Um, oh, so here's he posted that picture. It was great. Yeah, no, he's he looks amazing. 
fact, I'm going to go find that picture while we listen to this next one from Laser Legend Hicks. Hey, guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks again on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds. Attorney of Law Anchor call-in moment, GM. Uh, I just want to clarify something from my last call-in. It's not that I'm unaware of all the news of the day. It's that it's so depressing to me that I don't even want to talk about it. Like the whole Israel-Palestine thing, I don't want to get into it. The the whole cops murdering people in North Carolina thing and being told nothing's wrong. I, I just don't even want to get into it right now. I got to I gotta go home and drink a couple beers instead. <sighs> Hashtag laser legend. Yeah. I actually want to talk about the Israel thing because, sure, I'll do it. Um, we didn't bring it up in the show notes, and I'm ac- I'm actually in the process of compiling a very, very detailed timeline starting in the 1800s of when this whole conflict and the, and the events leading up to it started in earnest. We could actually go back a, a couple thousand years to really dive into it, but at least the last 150 years are, are relevant. Actually, yeah, just over 150 years. Um, it's not nearly as cut and dry as either side wants to say. It's actually much simpler. Colonial powers have imposed themselves on the region and picked power players on both sides to constantly fight each other in perpetuity to make everyone hate each other so that one side can blame one side and the other side can blame the other side and they can just fight forever. Um, there were already Jews that were voluntarily moving to uh, what was then uh, Palestine, which was uh, occupied by the Ottoman Empire. It was part of the Ottoman Empire and had been for like 400 years at that point. And they were moving there, buying parcels of land from willing buyers, creating communities and building relationships with people and with with um, Arabs and um, and Bedouins uh, within the region. And things were largely OK. There were a couple of minor scuffles and conflicts, but nothing that was too intense. Uh, and I, in fact, I don't even believe any deaths or if there were, there weren't that many. Um, but relatively, you know, considering the, the major cultural differences between the Eastern European Jews that were moving there and the Yemeni Jews that were moving there and the, the Palestinian Arabs that had been living there for quite some time. Uh, and also, uh, the conflict with some of the, what they called the old Yeshuv, which were Jews that had never left and were still living there, relatively peace and harmony in that region. And then as the colonial powers post World War I came in and started dividing up the land and shoving people in there, um, in through, you know, uh, third party programs, uh, uh, the, 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 the new wave Zionist programs where people were being kicked off their land to put Jews on property that they didn't even want to be on because they had been taken out of their, their home countries. The, the whole thing has been a mess and continues to be. Uh, there are no angels in power in Israel. There are no angels in power in Hamas or PLO or Fatah. There aren't any angels in power in any of the, the seats of power in the Middle East, and there certainly aren't any angels in power, uh, positions of power in the post-colonial pow- powers like the U.S. and the European powers and Russia and so forth. That This is just an absolute nightmare where people are being used as pawns and chess pieces in an endless battle to make money for both the U.S. military-industrial complex, uh, the European military-industrial complex, and the Russian military-industrial complex. The whole thing is an absolute mess and a nightmare. And and to watch people just blame Israel or just blame the Palestinians or to just blame one side or the other is just absurd and foolish. I will say that I will say that the probably the biggest 
at least in the modern era, uh, post uh, Picot Sykes agreement and post British mandate of Palestine, the the worst player in there has been the U.S. government. Um, but the whole thing is an absolute nightmare, and it's a perfect example of how people's just because they weren't respecting people's lives and property rights, everything turns to garbage, and that's what's happening there. And I don't talk about it a lot because if God forbid I say anything about it, I get one side telling me that I'm a self-hating Jew and why don't I stand with Israel? And then I got the other side telling me that I'm a Jewish Zionist pig and of course I'm going to side with the Jews, even though I'm not saying either of those things because everyone's so full of their own shit when it comes to this thing. So there. Yeah, and I wasn't planning on talking about it at all, which is why I (laughs) titled the episode what I did. Um, Yes. But yeah, uh, yeah, I wanted to stay out of that entire thing. Like again, like I said, I would rather talk abortion than I wanted to talk about right now. <laughs> I would rather talk uh, about abortion, Black Lives Matter, and uh, I don't know, gay marriage ten years ago. Um, like go back in time to twenty ten and, and argue about gay marriage. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I, here's a here's a palate cleanser. Here, here we go. Here's a palate cleanser. This is what Matt Hicks looks like all the time now. Look at that. Look at those shoes. I know these shoes because he'd wear them on the uh, campaign trail uh, when he was my manager. Those are very clean shoes. Body man, look at that. Look at that. Look at the matching pocket square with the tie. Matching pocket square and tie. Look at his, he's shaved kind of. Sort of. Ish. I would have gone with a white shirt with that personally, but that's me, you know. We're not all me. He also has the wrong button done. But, you know, again, he's learning. He's he's getting there. Look at at this. This is – look at that. That is what Sharp looks like. I'm going to call him Matt Sharp now. Good old Matt Sharp. Good old Matt Um, Sharp. Look at all the sex appeal. Um so, so uh, those were his questions. Yes, we have. Uh, I think if you refresh that page, there's two more. There's three more. Oh, good. Um, good. So we've got another message from E. Why aren't there more artists like Eric July? Now, before hmm. we get into this, uh, that's this message is how I came up with your nickname today. Um, Eric July. Eric July. Um, but yeah, uh, if anybody doesn't know Eric July, he is the lead singer of Backwards. He is also a rapper and just released an album um, called, um, if it's called, um, it's called, um, it's called, um, it's, a, it's an amazing album called, um, rap, yeah, Rap Circle, No Sample rap. Edition. Um, I just added it on my phone today. <laughs> And I couldn't remember. I just it was like Eric July's new album, um, but yeah. Uh, and I listened to it a couple times today. For anybody who watches the show regularly, regularly, you know regularly. I don't regularly. Uh, I don't uh, listen to a lot of the rap music. Regularly. I'm not down with the rap music, but uh, yeah, I, I listened to it a couple of times today, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was good, uh, but I don't know rap music, so. Spike, what were your thoughts? Uh, on on why there aren't more artists like Eric July? I don't know. I mean, he's a uh, he's a 
uh, an incredible uh, rapper. He's actually he's actually a really you know how like when you hear an artist who's like a friend of yours and or someone that you know agrees with your political stuff. Um, like I remember when I was a conservative and people would be like, Oh, listen to this. This is a conservative rapper. And I'm like, Oh, good. And then I'd listen. And I'm like, well, he sure is conservative. And you know, but it, but it wasn't like, he wasn't good. Um, or she wasn't good or, or they were okay, but it weren't like as great as they were being made out to be. And it was like their whole niche was I'm a conservative. Um, or I'm, I'm, or I'm sure they do it on the, you know, I'm a liberal and I'm the liberal rapper. And like, it's like, I'm the liberal rapper and I'm here to say, you know, when you cross the street, you better look both ways. Something like that. I don't know. This is actually and the peak of Spike's rapping ability. Too. That's, that's my, that is my, those are my, that's me spitting hot fire. But, um, Eric's like a legitimately really good rapper. Like this even if awesome. it wasn't a friend of mine, or even if it wasn't you know, part of, uh, you know, the, the Liberty movement, I'd still listen to his music. It's like really good. Um, so I, I honestly don't have a good answer for that. I think, uh, if it's, why aren't there more, uh, uh, libertarian artists in general? I think there probably are a lot of them, but they're probably just, you know, browbeaten into not saying it. Cause you have to signal being this kind of center left progressive. I know a lot of artists that are increasingly aren't really able to talk about just how far, you know, uh, true far left, not far left, like, you know, Joe Biden extremists, but like, or, you know, Bernie Sanders bros, but like legitimate far left anarcho-communists and stuff like that, you know, Rage Against Messina, I, I don't think they'd be allowed to exist in the current, you know, uh, entertainment sphere that exists now. Like those are very extreme stuff that they were putting out there. I don't think that'd be allowed now in, in, in the, yeah, in the but, mainstream. You know, I think that they would only because uh, the entertainment industry especially really appreciates irony. Um, so any band called Rage Against the Machine talking about taking it all down while taking massive amounts of money in corporate. Money, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they would they would find that entertaining and uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, buy that. buy our profit is our profit is theft shirts here on Amazon. Yeah. Um, possibly. Possibly. So right. here is the next question from Robin. Sorry, it's loud. I'm a truck driver in beautiful Northwest Missouri, but I have a bit of a conspiracy theory question for you. Why did hospitals wait until March to start preparing for the coronavirus last year instead of doing something to get PPE as soon as they saw it in the news in China in December and January? So do you want to give your thoughts on that first? So a lot of it was they weren't allowed to. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was they weren't allowed to. They were told, you know, they couldn't test for coronavirus. They they, yep. they weren't allowed to look for it. So there was no reason for them to try to stock up on anything uh, because they weren't even allowed to test. So yeah. they were going to try to make it where it wasn't even a concern. Yeah. I So it, they were told not to test. And, and by the way, that was, you know, so I heard someone recently say, yeah, well, that was just because Trump was trying to bury it. No, that was just that that was a legit CDC uh, uh, regulation. Now, he did nothing to push that aside because he wanted to try to downplay it, pretend it wasn't going to happen and, and, and not affect the stock market or whatever. But the reality is, even, no matter who was if Joe Biden had been president or Hillary Clinton had been president or, you know, whatever person you'd rather be president. 
who isn't a libertarian, had been president, whatever Republican had been president, they wouldn't have touched CDC regulations. And the CDC regulations didn't allow for the testing of novel viruses without CDC approval, which you often takes months to get. So they just didn't let them do it. Now, they could have still gotten masks and, you know, protective gear and stuff like that. Uh, honestly, some of it, Robin, the, the a lot of the um, supply chain isn't in place to do that kind of a ramping up. So when they were talking about, you know, 14 days to give us time to build up the resources, and then the hospital said, where? We're already having shortages before this. You know, we're, we're already having a hard time meeting our demand now. Um, and a lot of that is because of restrictions on the supply chain and, and the in, inelasticity of the supply chain because of regulations. Uh, it takes so long to get approval to do things. And some of it is just a culture in, uh, in you know, major in big business and in, in society in general that unless the government tells you there's a problem, people often just kind of wait for it. Um, right. we've seen that with like hurricanes and stuff like that. You know, there are those forward thinking companies, but you know, a major hospital system or a major medical system, um, that is not being told, you know, here's the money to pay for this. There's not a lot of incentivization for them to do so. And they've kind of learned to just wait for the government to say it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't think there was necessarily a conspiracy from the private sector. This is just, this is the inelastic supply chain that's been created and the inelastic um that's my word for the day inelastic uh or ju it's just the kind of complacency that's encouraged uh and it's a similar complacency we see with people with these mask mandates it's like oh, okay everyone has to wear a mask now i'm safe and i don't have to do anything smart like you know wash your hands and sanitize them regularly or you know don't get in people's faces or you know don't eat after other people or you know, whatever, because like it's a, or, you know, don't, you know, you don't necessarily have to go into this place when there's 15,000 other people in the, in the store at the same time. Well, it's okay. We're all wearing masks. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. So I think it's just, you know, when government tells you everything's okay, there's this sort of complacency built in. Um, and it's, it also feeds into the whole normalcy bias thing. Well, that would never happen here. So no. here is the next question from Mercedes. So I tried to leave a message before this one, and I'm not sure it uh, sent. So I'll keep this one short and sweet and just say, Spike, uh, it's me, Mercedes Demertowski, you know, Nemi's, Nemi's mom. And uh, I sent you uh, some messages that you should probably go look at, and I'm not going to tell you what they are because you know what they are. And uh, the Internet's just going to have to uh, wonder. Because if you're my friend, then you know what it is. So, ta! I kind of have to say what it is because that sounds really bad, Mercedes. That sounds so bad. That sounds like Mercedes is like sliding up into your DMs real hard. Yeah, let, hold, hold on. Let me, first of all, let, let me make sure that's not what it is. Um, <laughs> that sounds like Mercedes um, is just like trying to get all of spike by shipping so many nudes no 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 these are no well i guess technically they are nude but these are pictures and videos of puppies oh okay yeah that makes sense. these are puppy these are puppy videos pictures of puppies oh look at the nose she look says at payback noses. is a bitch actually she said what payback, payback for what what did i do to you i don't know yeah i have no I idea didn't... <laughs> payback for what mercedes <laughs> 
have no idea. Anyway, they're pictures of puppies, everyone. Calm down. Just because. Is that what we're calling them this week? That's. God, here, let me get a picture. Let me grab one of the pictures. Jesus. <laughs> I was like, well, you can't even like show us because your camera. Okay, yeah, work. hold on. Let me get a picture here from the thing. So you don't think I'm. <laughs> now, like, says convenient, your camera isn't working. Um, oh, for God's sure. sake. And I'm certain these are go. the pictures from the oh, message. Oh, God. Here we go. Okay, everyone, here you go. Here's the picture, one of the pictures. It's a puppy. Whoa. It's a puppy. Look, that's a puppy. <laughs> It's a puppy's. It's the picture's really big. It's high. It's a high quality picture. Hold on. It's a puppy. It's a picture of a puppy. It's a puppy picture. It's a pup pic. It's a puppy picture. It's a puppy picture. Those those pup pics. It's old. It's a pup pic. All right. So there's a good one. Thank you for trying to get me in trouble on my own show, Mercedes. As payback for I don't know what yeah, I don't I know what know I what ever the did. Payback you. Is. Yeah, what? Yeah, well, tell us in the comments what the payback's for. Like, what did I do? Here's right. oh, here's a here's one from from friend of the show and our hearts, James M. Ray. Hi, this is James M. Ray calling on the Chris Reynolds attorney at law anchor call in moment, and I am saying that on Friday night at the LPF convention. There shall be a ramen contest, which I intend to win, although that means I can't be a judge. And I really want to be a judge. Anyway, people should pay to be a judge and a contestant in this thing, and it should not make me look stupid for once. Damn it. Thank you very much. Have a great day. <laughs> make you look stupid? What? Uh... what I so for anybody who doesn't know, James M. Ray's in Florida, and he yes. is going to the uh, Florida Libertarian Party Convention, Libertarian Party of Florida Convention. Um, Which is in beautiful Lakeland, Florida, from June 11th to the 13th. And if you're out there and have Netflix and watch really inappropriate television shows, and you're like, Lakeland, I feel like I've heard that before. That means you have watched Big Mouth, where they make fun of Lakeland for, like, two episodes straight and they are not wrong about it um but lakeland's a beautiful town and i cannot wait to be at the convention this year me either i'm gonna be there beautiful lakeland lakeland florida best known for being equidistant between tampa and orlando Orlando. (laughs) like literally the exact The, and the, so I'm trying to figure out whether to fly into Tampa or Orlando and they were, the tickets were the same price and the drive was to the minute, the exact same distance between the venue. I think there was like a one minute distance. I don't know how someone takes two major cities and says, we're going to build something literally maybe six feet off center from the, those two cities, but they managed to do that. And congratulations to them. So here's a, uh, Here's a question. So, oh, Raymond, a uh, ramen contest. Yeah, ramen contest. So there's going to be one contest. of those Friday night. James M. Ray is, he's either entering it or judging it. Uh, I'm not really sure where. We're no, he said he's entering that. it and he, he doesn't want to enter it because then he can't be a judge. But I feel like they'll still let you try it, though. But I think you can eat it. I just don't think you get to judge it. And honestly, the person who's gonna win has probably been to prison. Wow. 
there is a cookbook out there that says prison ramen recipes and some of them are quite good so like they pick up some stuff prison ramen recipes yeah i don't know if that's the actual name but yes there is a book out there for prison ramen recipes it's mainly prison ramen. To college students prison ramen recipes and stories from behind bars wow yeah Oh, wow. And there's also just a ton of like recipes on the internet. What the hell? Like, is this some, an entire subculture of prisoners that cook ramen? No, it's, yeah, it's a whole thing. I learned about it in my early twenties. Um, one of my buddies who had been to prison was talking about all the different uh, things that he could do with ramen. And he learned it all while he was in prison. That's Okay. So we have, uh, here's one from Alex Flores. Hey, Spike and Matt, this is Alex Flores from Arizona. Wanted to call in for your Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney, attorney at law, anchor.fm call in moment to ask Spike how he would feel about coming to Arizona in January, as opposed to August where he visited last time and the gates of hell were unleashed on Arizonans. Anyways, January is a lot nicer. I think you'd love it. Let me know what you think, Spike. Love you guys. I love you too, Alex. I'd love to go out there if we can make it work. Um, get in contact. I'll, I'll well, I'll, I'll contact you personally, but yeah, get in contact with my people and we can make it work. I, I'd love to. With that said, I do not. I mean, yeah, it was hot. It was wow. Oh, so, time. 120 degrees and windy but the wind is also hot it's like a hair dryer yeah yeah the last time that i was in arizona um i wasn't supposed to be uh i was supposed to be flying across the beautiful country three thousand however many miles up in the sky uh feet feet up in the sky um to tampa uh from san diego and we missed our flight and then all flights got canceled because of a hurricane and we drove and we stopped in Arizona at one point and at like 11 o'clock at night, I believe it was uh, 110 outside. Yeah, no, it's, it's brutal. And this was at night. Yeah. Yeah. When I was there, it was like 110, 108, 115, something like that. It was 10, what the hell is it? 10 anything at night. And I went out. So we were, you know, we were there during the day and it was freaking hot. And we went in the hotel and nighttime, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go get something to eat. And I I looked and there was a a Mediterranean place up the road and it was only like two, three blocks away. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to walk it. You know, I could use a nice refreshing walk. I've been cooped up in airplanes (laughs) and hotels and yeah, I'm going to go take a walk. And it's probably cooled down a little bit, probably in the 80s or something. It was a 10-something or 110-something, whatever. Something, it was 1-something. And it was also extremely windy. And I've never experienced being hot, overwhelmingly hot, with wind blowing like it's just hot, hot. And there's not, a there's not, there's no sun. There was no moon. It was just black and hot. And it was really it was weird and i and i and i I went ahead and did the walk and got the food and came back but i'm like man this is hot 
And then the next day it was even hotter. And I had yeah. to speak to 300 people on a podium, a metal podium, and talk and do an hour of Q&A in just – I actually loved every second. I loved Arizona, but it, holy hell was it hot. Arizona is beautiful, but it is hot. Yes. It is Arizona hot. is gorgeous. And yes, Stephen, uh, so my uh, body man, uh, LeQuinn, uh, served in Iraq, and he was in Kuwait, and he was in Dubai and all of that stuff, and he said it was like that. It was like being there all over again, including the being really, really hot at night. He said the vibe was exactly the same. Like we went out that night with some some like friends and supporters uh, to hang out after the event. And uh, they had misters everywhere. Out, Everyone was eating outside because of COVID. And they had these misters everywhere, like misting. Like misters meaning that with mist, not like men, proper noun address. Like it was like they were shooting mist everywhere. And it was still hot because now you were wet and hot. It was just hot. Anyway, here's a question from Brian Clary. Hello, Matt. Hello, Spike. Real quick question for you guys. So one of the things that has always been a big problem for the Libertarian Party is getting a standardized message out. Everybody seems to have their own little niche or little take on the whole deal. What is the best route, do you all think, to kind of consolidate a message down to something that the general American public will at least come to grips with and accept to some degree, because we all know the little tangents here and there that are going to cause problems with the general public. But what are some of the specific things that we can do on our side to help consolidate and kind of centralize our message? Um, so I will say this, Brian, and that's an excellent question. I think part of the issue has been at the national level. Well, first of all, we're libertarian. So we kind of bristle against, you know, well, we all need to be saying this. It's like, I say what I want. I'm a libertarian. But I, I think that part of the thing is, so you can't make anyone do anything, obviously. And I, and I don't think that's what you were Im implying. But that that tends to kind of come with the territory of being libertarian as we tend to do our own thing. But everyone tends to be inspired by people who are prominent leading from the front, um, especially if they agree with the message. Uh, I think a lot of times the Libertarian Party, like the actual national organization, has been hesitant to be the main messenger uh, on, on, on big issues. They tend to be the messenger of the party itself and how the party itself is a, is a good alternative to the um, you know, to the, uh, um, um, to, to, you know, a, a lockdown to the, uh, um, uh, sorry, hold on. Everything just popped up on my thing I, that, you know, that, that they, they've talked about, for example, the fact that, um, you know, that, you know, the, the, the Republicans and Democrats are corrupt and uh, can't be trusted, vote libertarian, or, you know, we're kept off the ballots and that makes it tougher for us. Uh, so vote for us enemy, which I think is a self-defeating argument, but that's a whole other subject. Um, so they often talk about that kind of stuff as opposed to, well, libertarians believe this about this. 
specific subject or if they do they don't get really deep into it they just kind of focus it yeah sean uh one thing they say is all your freedoms all the time well that that's a great meta message but it doesn't answer okay well how's that going to work with healthcare? all your freedoms okay what is how is that going to work with right. healthcare? well all the time you're going to get all your freedoms so you know we we need to so and so it leaves the individual candidates and individual um you know activists and and messengers out there to kind of say their own thing um which is not necessarily bad but often we're all talking about different stuff and it can kind of get all over the place so what i've tried to do and what other prominent libertarians have have tried to do is encourage national and lead by example in encouraging national to pick the main things that people are talking about and come up with strong messaging on those things with the knowledge that when we do that, that the, um, you know, the other libertarians, the candidates, the activists, the members will be inspired by that. And we'll also move forward on that. Um, yeah, Stephen mentions the platform planks. We have, you know, a great platform, but again, the platform planks, they talk about all these different subjects and give give the libertarian position on it. But it's not written in a way that actually is is a marketable message, right? So, um, you know, it will say, for example, you know, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to education, well, we oppose the Department of the Federal Department of Education and are in support of, um, you know, get, getting government out of uh, education and allowing the free market to provide those solutions. Okay, so if you're already a libertarian, you're good with that. But that that if you're not a libertarian you're going to have a lot of questions about, well, what's going to happen next? So it, there's just, I think that, um, I think that the way that we need to do this is, uh, is to lead with, by example, with good messaging. Now, Brian's actually in the comments and he says, that's not the way some of the leadership has been in the past. Um, unfortunately we turn many folks off with some of our stupid messaging. I, um, Oh, but then he's, I think then he agrees with me. He said the platform is great, but it makes no sense to the general outside the party folks. And yeah, that's basically it. I mean, we have some great, we have the best ideas for everything. We just have to come up with a way to present it to people who aren't already like us. We are very analytical. We tend to be very system. We, we look at things from a systemic standpoint. What is the root cause of this? How do you fix it at the root cause? The average for, here's a perfect example. When presenting things, the best way to present it to libertarians is with some very hard statistics demonstrating you know, what you're trying to assert. With most people, the best way to present it is through a story, anecdotal uh, um, anecdotal evidence, you know, look at this person and what happened to them, or empathizing with someone in their, in their specific situation. Um, we tend to be like, well, we don't care about that. We need to look at the, you know, the, the reason why this happened, and we need to drill down into that. We don't even care about the hearing the individual stories. That's just, you know, anecdotal noise. That's not how most people think. So um, I do. I think there's a few different aspects, but I also think often the Libertarian Party's messaging has been, again, focused on the Libertarian Party and why it's better than Republicans and Democrats from a party standpoint. Um, so I think that's what we can do. And then there's another one here from Brian, but I, or I'm sorry, Matt, did you want to add anything to that? No, he pretty much covered it. Like I would, I was going to say a big issue is people think that they know what libertarians stand for. They think that we don't care about poor people. They think that we um, only care about ourselves. And 
showing them how we make a difference is a right. better way than just telling them what we see for the future. Um, so yeah. a lot of it is in how you act and what you, in uh, the message that you preach. Um, and our, a lot of our leadership in the past um, has had issues uh, even preaching it well. Um, and definitely I didn't notice it if they were doing it on the side. Uh, but I'm not going to say that they didn't do it. Uh, right. But a lot of it comes in how you act in public and the way that you convey message. Um, just because the Republicans have Donald Trump doesn't mean that every Republican is Donald Trump. I mean, right now it's, but um, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to go out there and start talking like him, no matter how much. The right, 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 right. Um, there is a lot that goes into how the message is given and whether you are going to be combative when they give you any uh, resistance to what you are saying. Uh, so those are the things that I was going to say make a difference in the messaging is you, yep. you are the stalwart. You are the one that's going out there and spreading this message and the way that you put it and the way that you respond to them is what is going to stick out in their mind. Right, right, right. You are the power. Um, the uh, and like literally, that's an example of what I mean when I say that. Um, the uh, um, you know, Alex and Jacob Labelle, they're talking about the nap, and they're saying that that's you know that that's the best thing to put forward. You don't hurt people. You don't take their stuff. You know, you don't violate people's. And in a meta sense, yes. But again, someone says, "What's your solution on education?" And I go, "Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and don't violate their their self ownership." The average person is going to be like, what the hell does that have to do with schools? Now, we can figure out what that means, how to apply that to that, because that's our ethos and that's our, our values. Most people don't really know. I mean, yes, they don't want to hurt people or take their stuff, but they don't realize that that's what the public school system is. They don't, And, and if you say it is uh, without explaining it, they're going to take it as a personal insult instead of, you know, explaining why it doesn't work and then exp or explaining why education doesn't work and then later you can explain why the public education system doesn't work and why government getting involved in stuff doesn't work but that that's a longer message there um yeah as and, and alex said it means that as long as you don't hurt someone or take money or their stuff any solution can be talked about absolutely and that's the thing you know our our, our basics are you know we need to you know we are explaining how libertarian solutions would work and give examples of that um you know and, and you know meg when people say what about the roads we have answers to that like the people that are making money off the roads primarily can pay for the roads and they'll need to pay for the roads because they still need us to come to them or they need to be able to bring stuff to us instead of making right. us pay for it so anyway there's one more from brian cleary but it's the exact it's same a, link I so i'm wondering if i got one. yeah let me because he was the one that last week double sent. Hello, Matt. Hello, Spike. Real quick question for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, yeah, that's yeah. some weird thing that happens when Brian leaves. Uh, it's just with him. Yeah, that's that's weird, he and it's literally so just together, with Brian. I was yeah. like, there's no way these are two minute long questions. Yeah, that's the that's odd. I'm not sure what's happening, but mm -hmm. uh, so well, thank you again for this uh this segment of the personal injury attorney with Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor Colin moment. Um, so we're going to end on something nice and 
Nice and light and airy. Abortion. Aborting fetuses. Matt? Aborting fetuses, yeah. Because Israel versus Palestine was too contentious. We were going to talk yes. about abortion, but then abortion. Spike went and talked about the other thing. Um, so the Supreme Court's been announcing some of the cases that they're going to be reading in the next session. And one of these is Dobbs versus Jackson White, or sorry, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And you may be sitting there thinking, I've heard about this before. And you have right here on this show. We talked about it for a different reason. Um, I believe it was roughly a year ago today. uh, We talked about this one. Quite a while ago. I, I believe it was in last session. Um, they These are the people who have the, uh, the Jackson Women's Health Organization are the one, pe- the one abortion provider in all of Mississippi. And they passed a law in Mississippi that anybody who is working as an abortion provider has to have uh, local admin access or uh, local admin access to a hospital. Yeah. Uh, so that way they can go and sign in and uh, do it there should anything go wrong. Um, and they said that that wasn't fair because there wasn't a hospital close enough to them. Um, so next session, we're going to. Well, and, it was, and it was it was written that way. It was written because it yeah. knew they knew <laughs> that they were targeting the one abortion clinic in the, the state one abortion clinic. And so they basically made an impossibility and said, you have to have admitting privileges to a hospital within a certain distance that of th- that you are not. So right. they knew what and they were The doing. one hospital that was in that distance wouldn't give them admitting pri- privileges. Right, right. So we're going to be hearing this case again for different reasons. So the most recent... So the most recent uh, appeal of this ruled that the Constitution protects the right to have an abortion before a feed or sorry, nope, Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey ruled that the Constitution protects the right to have an abortion before a fetus becomes viable. Right now, in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, a challenge to the constitutionality of the Mississippi law uh, with limited exception bars abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy standard right now is roughly 24 weeks is roughly about 24 weeks so this is nine weeks earlier um Mm -hmm. so two months um jackson women health organization challenged the law again um and a federal district court agreed with the clinic reasoning that the supreme court cases do not allow states to ban abortions before a fetus becomes viable which occurs around 24 weeks of pregnancy. Um, The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit upheld that decision, rejecting Mississippi's argument uh, that the Supreme Court cases required the district court to determine instead whether the law creates a substantial obstacle for a person seeking an abortion before the fetus becomes viable. So their argument is, you can still get an abortion before the fetus becomes viable. You just have to do it by the 15th week. Even though the general consensus around viability is in the second and third trimester. 
Is that how long that is? 24 weeks? What is that? Four, six, six? No. My math is terrible. Uh, yeah, six. Um, so six months in. So yes, second trimester. Um, but yeah, so the state suggests there's no substantial uh, obstacle. Uh, the law prohibits all abortions after 15 weeks, except in cases of health emergencies or fetal abnormalities. Abnormal abnormalities. Abnormalities. Fetal abnormalities. Um, so Mississippi decided to take this to the Supreme Court last summer, uh, asking the justices to rule on whether all bans on pre-viability abortions are unconstitutional. Things are different this year from last year. Lots of things are different this year. Right. The Republicans have a 6-3, sorry, the conservative-leaning uh, thought process has a 6-3 uh, lead in the Supreme Court. Uh, a big loss for the pro-choice movement is uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was replaced by Amy Comey Barrett. That is a huge difference. That is a polar opposite difference on this issue in theory anyway yes in theory in theory we, we don't know how she's actually going to vote on this issue. yeah you can only assume yeah. based on what we know about her um that does not mean that she's going to go the way that everybody thinks she's going to go uh there was a planned parenthood case early last session that uh uh judge kavanaugh that everybody thought he was going to be the end of it all and he was going to destroy abortion rights for everybody he didn't vote to take on the case and it would have potentially gotten rid of funding for Planned Parenthood. And that shocked me. Um, yep. But that goes to show you, we don't know exactly what is going to happen. Um, right. We can only assume. Uh, the justices are also, at, uh, sorry, the state asked the justices to weigh in on two related questions. Whether courts should consider a state's interest such as protecting the health of a mother when reviewing the constitutionality of laws that restrict pre-viability abortions and whether abortion providers have a legal right to challenge laws that ban or restrict abortions on behalf of their patients. So this is going to be because conceivably now the question just becomes, well, if they if they if they uphold this rule, if they strike down the previous decisions and say that this is not a substantial obstacle, then all that will need to happen is the states will have to just keep eventually over time pushing back that that number of weeks until it's essentially impossible impossible to get an abortion. Because if you think about it, I mean. If someone has, you know, I mean, it can take a few weeks before someone can even know that they're pregnant. Um, you know, uh, if, if someone is, you know, uh, two or three weeks late from their, you know, from a, a period and, and, you know, you're already in week seven or eight right there. Um, yeah. This, uh. Yeah, this is a, this is a, um, I personally think they're going to uphold the, pre the, the previous court decisions 
honestly. I, I know that, that it's it's as likely to be struck down as it ever has, but I don't see that happening. I think that I think what's about to happen is they're gonna they're going to uphold it. Um or find some weird reason not to rule on it, um, which is actually probably very likely. Um and um yeah. Um Yeah, I think that I don't I honestly don't know what's going to happen in this case. There is so much that could potentially happen. Um but a lot a lot of Republicans are worried that this summer you're going to see packing the courts. Yeah. Or at least Biden attempting to pack the courts in order to sway favor back toward the liberal th- uh the liberal way of thinking. And in all honesty, I can't say that's wrong i don't think it'll work yeah but i don't think it's wrong so yeah i i i don't i don't see that happening either i yeah i, I mean I, I, I have no idea i think this is going to be such a status quo thing and i may be wrong this may be you know they blow it out, blow it out of the water. I don't see uh, Biden doing it before that. I see them blowing this thing out of the. You know, they could. I, could they blow it out of, out of the water? Yes. And if they did, that would be Biden's pretext to then pack the courts. I think that they're going to keep playing scared pool like they typically do on this stuff, and uh, and 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 kick the can, and that will be the dying last gasp, last gasp of conservatives saying. Well, we need to vote Republican because at least they put in pro-life justices. Well, no, they don't, and you know that's not uh, Samantha v- uh, Vital or v- Vital. I don't know how to pronounce your name. I'm sorry. Samantha says, "What was the reasoning the last time they increased the number of justices? That was in the 1800s. I think it was in when Lincoln was president. I think that was when that happened, and I'm certain it had to do with the Civil War." Um, I don't know the exact reasoning on why, uh, but I believe that was when, when it happened. And as Stephen Witt just says, FDR did try and they shut it down. But what FDR did, which was actually pretty smart, he said he was going to pack the courts. And you know, the Democrats in Congress uh, and in the Senate, they were saying, no, you can't do that. That would be terrible for democracy. That would be terrible for this country. Do not do that. But it was enough to scare the Supreme Court to letting a few of his things go through. Social Security, um, yep, and that right, and that was how he got those through by threatening to pack the courts. Yep. Now, and that court, incidentally, was was signaling that court was signaling that they were going to strike down Social Security as being a a blatant unconstitutional. Like, there's nothing in the Constitution that that grants the authority to create a pension program, um, and uh, and and he still he he. He scared them enough to pass the, and there were a few other parts of the New Deal that were blatantly unconstitutional, and uh, and they passed it because he kept threatening to to pack the courts and render them, you know, completely useless. Right. So, like we said, the case is going to be heard in the fall after the justices return from their summer uh, recess. It's going to be joining uh, New York State Rifle 
and pistol association versus Corlett, which is going to involve constitutional carry of guns uh, nationwide. Um, and it is looking like there is a possibility that there is going to review a challenge to Harvard's race conscious admissions policy. Um, so it could be a very, very interesting Supreme Court season next year. I don't know how those two are going to go. The abortion one, I'm pretty sure how I think that's going to go. Uh, I think I the Supreme. Go. What's that? I think I know how the abortion one's going to go, and it's not the way yeah. a lot of people are expecting it to. Do Do you think it's going? Do you think? Do you Do you disagree with my assertion? I I think it's going to get shot down. I think they're going to agree with the the lesser courts. The undercourt. Okay, so you you agree with me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, no, I, I mean I it's fine if you didn't. I, I was just I was I no, the I, way you I worded it. I thought you were saying you thought it was going to go. Yeah, I think I think it's going to get shot down. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people are expecting it to go through, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, this this court's going to pass it." And yeah, I don't think so. I honestly don't. I think that a lot of the liberal or sorry, a lot of the hard to tell these days. Uh, a lot of the yeah. conservative justices are going to sit there and they. You know, they talk about being pro-life and they talk about their religion. But when it gets to that point, they think they look at the laws as they're written and they act, they will rule that, no, this does not go against the law. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that it's going to happen. This New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett. This SCOTUS has been all over the place when it comes to gun stuff, but they often have cited in the, on the right side, or at least towards the right side, maybe not a hundred percent on the right side. Um, on when it comes to being in favor of the right to keep and bear arms, if SCOTUS ends up instituting constitutional carry, man, that's mm. fun fact, uh, for anybody who lives in Florida, we used to have constitutional carry here in Florida. Um, but if you had to take a guess at the reason we don't, what would it be? The police pushed for ending it? No, but that was a good mm. guess. And you're not terribly far off. Um, okay. I mean, you're on the right mindset track. and You're on the right track. Um, the NRA. The NRA passed a bill for concealed carry that you had to get approved at an NRA uh, training ground. And, <laughs> and in that, oh, Florida wow. lost their constitutional carry. Wow. Because the NRA is all about your gun rights, folks, all as long as you're rights. paying them every month. Money. Not wow. about raising their own money, which is why they're now out of it. Um, yep. No, listen, when I hear people, oh, we got to fight and help the NRA, they're gone bankrupt, Bill. They were bankrupt long before they ran out of money. They've been morally bankrupt morally. since they wrote the damn NFA back in the 30s. What a feckless group of, of of swindlers that is. Convince people that they're the they're the 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 bulwarks against against the that's uh, the second time bulwarks been used in this episode. They're the you know positioning themselves as the champions of gun rights when the reality is every single federal gun regulation that's currently on the books was written or sponsored or promoted by the NRA, right. and a lot of the state ones are too. 
a perfect example of what Matt just said. It's to put money in their pockets and to make money for um, the Republican Party, uh, the police departments, and the gun uh, manufacturers. It has nothing to do with your gun rights. The very second your gun rights get in the way of their gravy train, they trample all over it. Um, this Harvard's race conscious thing, um, depending on how this decision goes, if they decide that you know you can't discriminate based on race means you can't discriminate based on race, then uh, that would effectively end not just that, but you know, depending on how it's wor- broadly it's worded, it could end all affirmative action uh, yep. mandates, which have been kind of outside of academia. Affirmative action mandates have been slowly going away. It's interesting, you know, in the in the uh, you know the ones applied to the private sector have been kind of slowly winnowed away because they're terrible policies and they they didn't actually lead to increases in hiring of, of people of color. It just led to shoving people of color into these diversity departments where they don't really even do anything and um, and creating these separate corporate cultures where they're kind of segregated away from everyone else. Uh, oddly enough, it's doing the same thing in the schools, but they have been, you know, doubling down on it. I love how they did this. Instead of challenging the how it discriminates against white people, they've challenged how it discriminates against Asian people. Yeah, big time. And that is a stroke of genius because the argument has always been, well, yeah, it discriminates against white people, but white people are the majority population and, you know, they're 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 the ones in control. So, you know, we're just doing that, to, you know, set things right. This is saying, well, what about Asians? They're not in control. They're one of the smallest minorities. Why are they being targeted? And and they are big time, especially oh, at Harvard. Even more than white people. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at Harvard. Uh, like they're at, like, even if they come in with the SAT, like, I don't remember the stats on it because I haven't read it in a while, but, uh, if you want to talk about stop Asian hate, like Harvard, uh, um, really? Yeah. Right. So, uh, it's going to be a really interesting Supreme court season. Yeah. And no, I can't that's... wait to actually report on a few more of the cases that are going to be getting dropped, uh, over the next uh, two months or so um, and you're going to be seeing a lot of don't worry about that um, you're going to see a lot of uh, we're going to report on a lot of it as it comes out so tune in for all of that um, Spike uh, do you who you have on tomorrow I have Josh Eckel and Justin Cornett uh, and for those who are friends of my fellow Americans, you know, I had them on a, a few weeks ago, but we're having them on again. They are with For All Tennessee, uh, which is a uh, pro-liberty lobbying group. I know I know those those words don't seem to go together at all, but they are. Um, they are a lobbying group that does a lot of work in Tennessee's, uh, in Tennessee's, uh, state, uh, legislature pushing for pro-liberty legislation. And one of the things that they just successfully helped push was a ban on uh, no-knock raids. And not just no-knock raids, but a bunch of other abusive uh, practices that were being allowed by police departments across Tennessee um, has been passed. And it passed almost unanimously um, on, a consent, on, a, on a voice vote. And uh, they, they were, in very, they were uh, instrumental in getting it passed. And so we're basically going to have them come on to 
flex hard how uh, uh, a libertarian uh, lobbying group or a liberty friendly lobbying group because they're nonpartisan uh, is uh, is doing some incredible stuff in Tennessee uh, only a few months after they were created. They actually, uh, as they said in the last time they were on the show, they were created after being inspired solely by me. They didn't say solely, but they were inspired by me during the campaign talking about how we can work to do uh, incredible stuff in our communities, in our states. And we don't have to wait to get into office to do it. And uh, and so they they went right with it. They're going in there and charging ahead, getting some incredible work done. Uh, and they're going to come on to talk all about that. And then on Thursday, yeah, Thursday, maybe. Again, you are going to have to tune in to find out how great of a guest I have on Thursday. Uh, many of you enjoyed last week's episode, which uh, was actually a really fun episode to do. I don't mean to say actually like I wasn't expecting it to be, but it was it was a really fun episode to do. <laughs> actually, um, she wasn't terrible. She was not bad. Uh, but no, it, it was a really fun episode. Uh, so I'm kind of enjoying the surprise of who's going to be my guest. Um, I'll actually have to reach out to Brian tomorrow, but tomorrow night I will not be watching <laughs> the show because I'm going to be at Toronto Blue Jays versus Boston Red Sox, and I cannot wait. They're playing in Florida. Yeah, Toronto can't. Is that play because in of the lockdowns? Of yeah, that so is 20... so funny. Yeah, so they're playing in Florida, like twenty minutes from my house. That is funny. Yeah, that's so almost as funny excited. as the time that we got invited to the Tampa Bay Super Bowl party, and you went. It's not. It, not. I mean, I couldn't have gone anyway. Right. We, we did get invited to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl party, and uh, it was a shame you couldn't be there. It was a good time had by all. Yeah, and I legit couldn't have been there. Like, I mean, there was no, yeah, there was, there was, yeah, I couldn't have even gotten on a plane in time to do it, but it's just funny. That's all. I just find it funny. Um, and then this, this weekend, I will be in beautiful Golden, Colorado. 6,000 feet above the sea in Golden, Colorado, just outside of Denver, for the Libertarian Party of Colorado's convention. It is weird not seeing my face, isn't it? It is so weird. Like, I don't wow. know really where to look. Yeah. Just look at the look at the two, the two cholos there. Not a <laughs> webcam in sight. Just living in the moment. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, Libertarian Party of Colorado convention this weekend. Uh, if you want to take part, uh, you can come go to lpcolorado.org and uh, and register for the convention there. Uh, one of the featured uh, attendees, one of the featured presentations will be by Tasha Cohen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if you want to find out what that's about, then you got to go to lpcolorado.org and sign up today. You can see her in person, find out what she's talking about. Uh, I'm going to be talking as well, but no one cares about that now that they know that she is. <laughs> if you Google Spike Cohen, the first thing that it guesses is Spike Cohen's wife. Wife. Yeah. No, that's all anyone cares about. Um, so, folks, uh, and then come right back here. Same muddy place, hopefully an hour earlier. Uh, or 48 minutes earlier, uh, for the next spanking new installment of the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where uh, Matt Wright and oh, I parsed through the week's shirt event. next week, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. 
The suckle on the teats of Liberty shirt. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> and I will hopefully be well, I'm hopefully have a camera working. Um yeah. you won't you won't believe what kind of shirt I'm wearing next week. Um uh for the Muddy Waters of Freedom where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the sweet little wonder monkeys that we are. Um yeah. As long as you're wearing a shirt next week, that's all I really care about. How do you know I'm not wearing a shirt? Because we're so emotionally connected, I can feel it. Your voice gets an octave wow. higher whenever you're shirtless. Wow. <laughs> well, folks. Uh, and then, uh, and so we will see you next week. So tune in tomorrow for my fellow Americans. Tune in Thursday probably for the money for the writer's block and then tune in uh well come to colorado for the convention then we'll see you next here next week um our show yes no i was pointing to them not you no uh matt if you oh well no we do the thing we'd like to we thank do. all of our oh no well we don't have to do are we that still now. doing the thing where we say their names though no not anymore oh. we don't have to oh well, we're going to, well, folks, if you want to, well, just tune, just stay tuned in. We're going to do a thing. Stay at the tuned end. for the just stay last tuned five minutes for things. So folks, well, yeah, but for our podcast, they won't hear the names. They're all watching. Like I know every name on that list. They're all watching oh, but right in the now. future. Anyway, if, uh, Matt, if uh, people were to try to find us on the internet, is that even possible? And if so, it, how? It is possible. All one wow. would have to do is head on over to anchor.fm slash moneywater. Yes. Where you old school listeners, you can just can tune in to hear the sweet dulcet tones of our sultry, sexy, hey everybody, calming voices. I love you. And while you're there, you can, you can do it. And I believe in you. Those messages that we will play in the personal entry you can accomplish everything that you're trying to do. Anchor calling. And you can also donate. And you will not believe what would happen. Give us money. You I believe that you can give us money. I believe that all of you can give some money. Every one of you is capable of giving us money. I believe it. A dollar a month. I want to make sure that the people on Clubhouse can hear this. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, yeah. Let me get let me get my, my mic up here so you can hear. I'm using my Bluetooth mic for Clubhouse. To get a new camera. Hi. A camera that works. Yes, please. We just need a camera. I don't think my camera's not. I don't think it's. I need a new camera. I think it's just it's some weird configuration. But give me money anyway. <laughs> just in case it's a new camera. Just in case you never know. I can have a second and camera. <laughs> yes. And for everybody else, you can find this and every other episode at muddiedwatersmedia.com. To all of the fantastic and wonderful people who have been hanging out on Clubhouse all night long, yes. thank you. Uh, thank you. Sorry about the uh, technical issues that we've been having, trying to figure out exactly mm. how to do this. But we are going to get it figured out. Uh, to everybody else, find me on Clubhouse, muddied H2O Matt. And uh, if we get our group going on Clubhouse, we will be able to do random talks throughout the week with y'all so join uh us on clubhouse well join yeah you're on it too join us on clubhouse and uh we uh can do this 
we can take over that one too. Um, and if anyone on anyone on Facebook wants to uh, in, needs an invite to Clubhouse, send a message to Jimmy Lee in the comments. He is Jimmy Eel in the comments. Jimmy the Eel. Just get in contact with Jimmy the Eel, and uh, he'll send you a link. He'll send you an invite. I don't have my invites yet because my account's not old enough or something. I don't know. Um, so, I don't think that's how that works. Well, anyway. I, I just know I don't have any invites. I think they, uh, whoever opened your account used them. Or Stephen Witt. No, I opened my own account. No, that's the thing. I opened my own account. Oh, um, yeah. So I like a big man. I opened my own account. Uh, so, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you tomorrow for the My Fellow Americans. We'll see you Thursday probably for the Writer's Block. Uh, I will hopefully see you in Colorado. And then we'll see you right back here next week for the Muddy Waters of Freedom. So thanks so much again. Have a great rest of your evening. And where we're going... We don't need roads. <laughs>